This is the sound of a little girl under a mango tree in the northeast Democratic Republic of Congo. She lives in a place called Kiliwa. Her community lives in constant fear of violence and child abduction by the Ugandan warlord Joseph Kony's Lord's Resistance Army, the LRA. They are killing people by machetes. They are killing people by guns. They are taking child to make them soldiers by force. Many of the children here have experienced abduction firsthand. Those who manage to escape and return home are faced with trauma and worry. It almost seems like there's a parallel universe taking place at the moment. For the children who are currently living in this situation, it's horrendous. I travelled to Kaliwa to see how a new kind of community-based intervention is helping with reducing the effects of LRA violence for the children living here. As I arrive in Kaliwa, there's a celebration as a part of the community intervention. The programme is being carried out by American NGO Discover the Journey, Dublin-born Paul O'Callaghan, and a local organisation called SIPED. Father Ernest Sugel is the national coordinator of SIPED, the Solidarity for Integral Assistance to Vulnerable People. With bad road networks and no modern forms of communication, the people of this region have no way of warning each other of an impending attack. There's no communication going from village to village. They can do anything. The security system is, is, is just poor. So LRA can come to one village and stay like from 8 a.m. to, to 8 p.m. Uh, without being, uh, you know, under any threat. It's, it's the closest uh, village to Garamba National Park. So LRA can come straight from the park and attack the village and go back. So Kiriwa has been, it's like, they can come anytime they want to come and attack and they will attack. This isolated village was one of the first communities to have been targeted by the LRA in the Congo. There have been at least a dozen attacks since the first major assault on record in 2008. It was then when the Ugandan rebel group came from the nearby Garamba National Park, killing adults, burning homes and abducting over 60 children from the local school. Many, many kids have been abducted two weeks. Some can run away for one month, for one year, for two years. So many have been abducted. The trauma is the biggest. Uh, the, secondly, the fear, because LRA is not yet over. The Democratic Republic of Congo is in Central Africa. It is a country rich in raw minerals, but one of the poorest places in the world where the Irish army has served on several peacekeeping missions. The LRA are responsible for Africa's longest running armed conflict. Over the past three decades, they have abducted over 30,000 children and killed thousands of civilians. The rebel group began in Uganda, but was forced out and moved to South Sudan, the Central African Republic and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Many of the attacks went unreported. This report comes from France 24 in 2009. 
It was a carefully orchestrated attack. Human Rights Watch says Congolese rebels ravaged dozens of remote villages despite joint offensives by Ugandan and Congolese troops. They have so far failed to eradicate the group. Instead, the LRA has dispersed into splinter cells and remain a constant threat to civilians in the area. For Kaliwa, this is the first kind of community-based intervention program in the region. This boy is taking part in the intervention. From Pasande, Father Ernest translates his story of his time spent with the LRA, as it's called here, in the bush. We came, that was 17th of September, 2008. We came to the school. So when I was going back home, they arrested and they kidnapped me. He is 17 and was abducted in 2008. He escaped a year and a half later. He looks at the ground while he talks to us. But I was crying and but he started abducting so many kids and also adults and killing them and burning uh, houses. They took us to uh, Camp Swahili, that was Ngaramba National Park. So there we were working, uh, growing sweet potato. After that, they told us we were going to Central African Republic. On our way, those were very small and young. We couldn't walk very fast. They were being killed. Even my younger sister was killed and on that day. How long were you with the LRA for? One year and six months with LRA. Um, but in that one, one year, we also went to, to South Sudan. We also kidnapped people and also we burned houses there. Then we came back. So I escaped in Central African Republic, we were under attack, and uh, that's when I escaped because everybody was running uh, each direction. How did you feel when you were with the LRA? I would feel very sad because I was even th thinking of killing myself because I was very, we were mistreated. I was thinking how I can come out, run away, and come out and find my mother. When I, I came out, I was not happy because I found out that my, my dad was killed and also my, my elder brother also was killed. I was sad. In March 2012, LRA leader Joseph Coney was brought to the world's attention with Invisible Children's YouTube video, Coney 2012. For 26 years, Coney has been kidnapping children into his rebel group, the LRA, turning the girls into sex slaves and the boys into child soldiers. He makes them mutilate people's faces, and he forces them to kill their own parents. This boy spent time in an LRA group with Joseph Coney. He was tall, and he was uh, big, and he had a beard, and he was giving command to, to, to his soldiers to kill people. For some children, it can be hard to readjust when they return home to their communities, having spent time with the LRA. In some cases, the community fears them, and other children call them names like son of the LRA. So when I came before, people were calling me, oh no, I am a son of LRA, they were talking bad, bad things on me. So it made me cry when I hear that. Is he still afraid of the LRA might come back? 
And what are his hopes now for his future? So I, I want to become a priest. As he walks away, I can't help but think what he's gone through compared to the average Irish 17-year-old. Kaliwa lies in the territory of Dungu, mostly made up of Pazande people. They are farmers and keep small animals like goats and chickens. It was in 2005 that the Congolese government first realised that the LRA were close by in Garamba National Park. Father Ernest explains. Why did they, uh, did the LRA come to Congo? That's one I, I can't really tell you now, I don't know. 2008, 17th September, in Kiriwa, that's where the first attack happened. It was after the government of Uganda had put a lot of pressure on the government of Congo to chase LRA from Congo. But that operation was a failure because as retaliation from that first attack or first military operation, they, they came and kidnapped, burned down a Kiriwa village. So, so many people were killed as a retaliation from that military operation. The Dungu territory borders with South Sudan and the Central African Republic. So Dungu has been really the victim. First, because uh, Dungu is uh, close to Ganamba National Park, where LRA really like, kind of they have their military camp. And then secondly, uh, most of part of Dungu, you know, it's bordering uh, South Sudan and also it's bordering uh, Central African Republic. So the territory of Dungu has been like the, the pathway LRA used to go to Central African Republic or to go to South Sudan. It's mango season here and children are throwing sticks up into the branches of the trees allowing the fruit to fall to the ground. Aruna Sambia has come to visit Kiliwa. He is the president of the civil society and coordinates the humanitarian organisations in the region. He has seen a big change in the community since the first LRA attack. The Kiliwa have got uh, many palm trees, many mango trees, in Kiriwa, and Kiriwa also have got a church, a Catholic church, a protest church, a market. But I'm seeing only uh, their life, it is not uh, like before the war, because there were many houses. But today you will see they are living under those bad things. But So they're living in grass houses? Yeah, grass yeah. You cannot accept today to see someone living in the house like that. Every house which was here was burned by Elare. From the beginning of the village to the last, to the end of the village. The solution for us is only to end the war. The LRA is now estimated to be a group of just a few hundred soldiers. They operate by waging small level attacks, looting, killing or abducting in remote communities like Kiliwa. They are in the bush with many groups, about uh, 
five, ten soldiers, or if if more, it is twenty soldiers of LRA. They are working together, but many groups in the bush, abusing the human dignity in DRC. What do you think the LRA want? I don't know. I don't know what the LRA is want. LRA uh, was the rebel of Uganda. They was fighting in Uganda and so on. We don't know the reason for what they came here in Congo to kill people in Congo. We don't know. Until today, they are still moving uh, in the areas. They go from the north to the west. They can kill you. They can abduct you. They can do you many other things. They are they, they, they are cutting the, the mouth of people. The people have a fear for to live with the LRA. If some people ask about LRA, it is like you see a snake. You must run away. You see? You must run away. Dublin-born Paul O'Callaghan is the lead researcher carrying out the community intervention within two communities, Kiliwa and a nearby village called Limai. The research is part of his doctorate in child psychology in Queen's University, Belfast. I think the first thing that we found um, is that war-affected communities, and particularly children in war-affected communities, have significant mental health difficulties. And so the idea of a psychosocial intervention is that you would address everybody. So the only entry criteria was that you lived in a war-affected community. And then every child who met that criteria was invited to bring one parent or caregiver along to attend. The intervention combines role play, seminars, advice groups and film screenings. It's the first of its kind and Paul has been researching the psychological effects for children living in war-affected communities. When we did the pre-evaluation before we started our, our intervention, we asked a lot of questions and we looked at what were the most frequent symptoms that children had. And the two most frequent symptoms that children had were constant worries and thinking about bad things, bad events that had happened in the past. So what we found were two communities living in constant worry, concern, fear of of the LRA and worry about abductions, um, which obviously affected whether they could go to the fields or not, which affected the food that the families were able to farm and provide for, so therefore it affected the children's diet. So... Every aspect of war and conflict um, affects every aspect of a child's development and growth. A lot of the children reported crying frequently uh, when they were on their own. So we found communities that had uh, significant mental health uh, challenges and, and difficulties. And when we asked them what were they like or what would they need, they said that they needed school bags and school uniforms. So very, very basic things that for most people back home in Ireland we take for granted. Um, Everybody goes to school wearing a school uniform. Here, that's not something you can assume. Peter Gumete has four of his children in Kaliwa's intervention programme. One of his sons was abducted during the attack in 2008. These memories are still very clear in his mind. The LRA entered Kiliwa um, on 17th of September 2008 at 2 p.m. 
in my family, they abducted my kid. He told us that uh, they had given him gun and also he had uniform. So he was very, very scared. I was so happy uh, to have seen him back because I did not even expect to see him back. What is it like on a, on a daily basis? On a day-to-day basis, we, we are still fearing. We think LR has seen men in the, in the bush and we don't know what's happening. There is still danger of any attack or anything can happen. LR can come anytime. Peter says the programme has helped to reduce stigma for children returning from the LRA. Especially those kids who have escaped were not really welcomed for other kids. There was kind of distance. Now after this programme, there's a change. There's one boy here who came, who escaped. But now with that programme, other kids have now included him in, in their football team. So they are playing together. And it's, it's a sign for him that really other kids are accepting that kid. As we get ready to leave Kaliwa for the day, the children give us mangoes as gifts. Ten minutes down a dusty road, we travel to a nearby village called Limai. It's a small community also participating in the intervention programme. I asked the primary school children what comes to mind when they think of the LRA. Fear. And what do they know about them? They are are killing people, they they abduct kids and take them to the bush and they they give them a lot of loads to carry. And what do they think of children who come back from the LRA? Some are saying uh, we fear, we fear them. Some are saying when, when they come out, we, we help them and we are happy that you have come out. Why do they fear them? They tell me they are sometimes afraid that the returning children may have killed during their time in the bush. Are they afraid of the LRA now? Yes, love, friend. Because they, they, they kill people using wood and they kill them. That's why we're still afraid of them. We, we want Elara to be chased away from us here. Playing nearby is a young boy. He has a scar on his arm from a gunshot wound he received while escaping from the LRA. He doesn't know his own age. One year, uh, I know, since I've come back, it's now one year. I was so much afraid. And how did he get out? Makuruan. When you were under, under attack, that one, I, I, I came out. Is that a scar? Yeah, from, from uh, the gun. When we were attacked by UPJF, that's Ugandan army, that's when they shot my, my hand.
Humanitarian organisation Discover the Journey have been working with the community showcasing mobile cinema and working with Paul on research for the intervention programme. Lindsay Branham spearheaded the project. Mobile Cinema is a program in northeastern DRC working with children affected by LRA violence and their families to reduce psychological distress, increase relationships between children and their families and children in their communities, and to reduce negative stigma that occurs for children who return from the LRA. Ricky, who's a filmmaker with Discover the Journey, and I, we created a series of four short films that tell the story of a brother and sister who come back from the LRA and face stigma in their communities, and then the role of their parents in helping defend them, the community chief, and then the resolution that happens afterwards. And we shot it in Pazande, which is the local language most common in northeastern DRC, because we wanted this to be as close to people as possible. A film based on their personal experiences was something the community had never seen. So we went to Kaliba, which was one of the two communities we were working in, and set up the whole mobile cinema experience, which equates to a big blow-up screen 12 feet in height and connected to a portable sound system and a projector. And So you can imagine the scene. You have all of these children and their parents sitting on these wooden benches inside this old church building and looking at something that they've never seen before, which is people that look just like them speaking in their own language about the most pressing problem in their community right now, which is the constant threat of insecurity by the LRA and how that affects not only children, but mothers, fathers, community leaders. And so we wanted to tell that broad story that things could look different for them. Why choose Kaliwa? So up until a few months ago, Kaliwa was quite isolated from humanitarian assistance and the UN recently constructed a road to that area which opened up access. But... This community said specifically that they were just so in need of... And we heard repeatedly families, community leaders say, we want to understand how to help these children ourselves. Even if a child had been through a program at an NGO, the stigma within the community still very much existed. The need for these children to receive additional psychological, psychosocial assistance was, was incredibly high. Part of the intervention program saw children draw their safe place. One of the sessions, we took this huge piece of paper and rolled it out the length of the church and then had all 40 children get on the ground and we had been practicing them with them imagining a safe place. We saw everything from houses and flowers and schools and buildings and functioning societies to one of the boys in our program was missing a leg and he drew a boy with two legs. Back in Kaliwa, Jean-Claude is finishing the intervention programme. He is 18 years old and was abducted two years ago. I, I, I was 16 when I was abducted, but I did two months with them. And what did he do while he was with them? He was on his way to the local school trying to warn the teachers that the LRA were en route when he was taken. He said Coney's army forced them to loot villages. If they didn't, they were beaten or killed. They abducted so many adults and also the local chief who was here, they took them to an area which is called um, Elimai. That's where they killed all, all the adults. So they took us to Camp Swahili. 
That's where we were Fikoni. We stayed there with him. Part of what the LRA can do when abducting children is to apply a type of witchcraft or herbal medicine. They believe this could make them strong soldiers. In fact, they took us to where there was a big stone and they had to apply on our body some of the witchcraft. I don't know what was it. And also they spread us into small, small groups and they, they asked us if somebody wanted to, to run away, they would kill that person. And also uh, if you run away, they will take you and bring you to the group to your group, and then uh, it's your group who will try to kill to kill you. And then they will tell the group, if anybody wants to try to run away, they will kill him the same way. And how did he feel the first night? We, uh, we, we went and uh, we spent the night. They, they cooked the goats they had... Uh, looted here. Some kids ate it, but some kids did not eat because it was not well, well cooked and they vomited everything. I was not well, I was not feeling okay. I was afraid that maybe they would kill me. Jean-Claude managed to escape while collecting water. They asked us to go and look for water. That boy told me, we should just escape now. I told him, no, we should go fast so that they trust us. The next time they will send us again, we can escape. They asked us again to go and look for water. First they gave us a gun, and as we were going to look for water, now UPJF saw us. They were spotted and surrounded by the Ugandan army, who at first thought they were a threat. The boys threw down their guns and were then rescued. Some told us not to run away, so we went to them. That's where now we escaped. And how did he feel when he came home? First, when I came out, I was happy, but still I was still afraid that they might again come and uh, abduct us. And also I was also afraid of other people around here. Why? Because in the bush, you wake up in the morning, very early in the morning, you are to, to tie your things and move away. Um, so I was waking up and tying my things, and you know, I will not trust some people, because in the bush, you are not also taught to trust other people. For every child, their experience is different. The president of civil society has seen some of the effects fear has had on the community. If they are not traumatized, they will not live well. When they are coming also back, people are fearing them. And how does LRA violence affect the community as a whole? Our people here, they are farmers. The area which is which have the security, it is very reduce you see and it is difficult for people to go to look for the good ground to farm 
because of that insecurity. The problem which the children have, the first thing is to fear. You see, they are thinking that tomorrow they will kill me, tomorrow I will run away, tomorrow they will abduct me, tomorrow I will not go to school, and so on. He will not be happy in the community. It's very sad for many of us in DRC. It's different for girls when they are abducted. This girl is now 13, but was taken when she was only 11 and spent over a year in the bush. She has a scar on her neck from the beatings she received while with the LRA. She told me she was taken from school and saw people being killed. Some girls are used as sex slaves. She says she was too young, so was made to work washing clothes for the soldiers. Life is still hard for her. Both her parents were killed, leaving her orphaned. She is still afraid of abduction and finds it hard to trust anyone. As we set off for the day, the community is given equipment to help them build mud bricks and rebuild the houses which were burned by the LRA. Paul O'Callaghan has done other kinds of interventions in rural areas of Africa. He says this is one of the toughest he has ever done. For me, it's been the most challenging intervention I've ever done. We're living in an environment of ongoing insecurity and threat. There was one time, for example, when we were coming home um, and it was late in the evening and up above, uh, up ahead of us, about 10 metres away, we saw a man with a machete waving a machete in the air. And everybody instantly just had this real intake of breath and you could sense the atmosphere completely change in the back of the car. And I was convinced that we'd run right smack bang into an LRA ambush. And I was thinking, my goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to (laughs) say? And as it turned out, this man had been drinking and he decided to do a little dance. He was semi-naked and he was waving his machete in the air. It was completely harmless. But when you're living in an environment where everything that you hear is LRA, LRA attacks, LRA abductions, LRA murder, it leads to a state of anxiety and, and tension that, that's palpable and that's contagious and that you pick it up. Paul wants to see the intervention model continue. I think particularly when the majority of people that make decisions in NGOs are frequently expats or are highly educated um, Congolese whose realities are very, very different to the realities of the people um, that you're working with. Um, One of the things that the teachers in one of the communities said was that now he's noticed that the children are less likely to call each other LRA or abductee or whatever. Um, And I think that that insight, uh, the negative effect of name-calling and victimisation or stigmatisation was as a direct result um, of them seeing it on on a video, on a film. 
the purpose, the aim that we had um, had been met and our intervention was successful. Where's the pens for us? A few days later and down a bumpy road 45 kilometres from the nearest town we're back to visit some of the children in Kaliwa. So we are doing the post-evaluation for the control group and so we have the researchers off um, interviewing all of the children that participated in the second round of the programme to see if the programme had any impact before and after. Close by, a girl is sitting under one of the biggest mango trees sheltering from the hot sun. She escaped from the LRA while the soldiers were sleeping. So we're here with Modestine and you're 13 and you have a really pretty skirt on and an orange jumper. As a part of the programme, they're asked to draw safe places. What was hers? So she said that she drew the house and weave and where they receive it. So she, she drew a house with the radio? Yeah. She said that she drew a house because every day she used to sleep in a house and the radio, they can play the music and she can dance. Do you feel safe now? She said that she's afraid when she can go far away to play. After analysing the research, Paul has found that fear played a major role in holding back the community's development. Abduction is a current reality and it's very, very frequent. I mean, one of our findings was that one in every four children that we interviewed had been abducted. So you imagine a a small village in in rural Ireland where one in every four children has actually been abducted by some kind of paramilitary or rebel group. You know, it would be horrific. And the impact that that has on fear, um, on the society, on school... And one of the things, for example, I learned was that uh, churches are normally seen, you know, in our cultures as places of security and sanctuary. And, and during um, conflicts, very often people will run to the church um, because they feel that they'll be safe. But the rebels have used these places now to attack. So during uh, Easter time, people were afraid to go to the church because they were afraid then that in the church, the rebels could come and attack and abduct the children and kill people in the churches. So... It very often seems in these conflicts that civilians have become the, the chief, I suppose, victims, um, the, the chief casualties of, of war, um, and the places that, that should be safe, schools, you know, hospitals and churches, have actually become the places that are most dangerous for people to live, which generates a fear and anxiety and uncertainty in their own lives. Father Ernest wants to see urgent action in tackling the problem with LRA attacks in the Congo. Why? For God's sake. Why people should come from the United States to take LRA problem as a priority? It's, 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 it's a shame for our own government. People have been killed here in, in Congo, in Dungu. More than 2,000 2, people have been killed in Congo. It's, it's, it, it, it's shameful. For me, really, our government has to take this as priority. I think one day the LR problem will finish. That's my hope. This area will be rebuilt. On my final day in Kaliwa, I meet this father. His son was just six years old when he was abducted in October 2011. <laughs> Uh, the name of his son is Gimiko. 
He was on the side of a nearby road when a small armed group took his child. He has still not returned. So they were going to the field and suddenly they took them with his child and they told him to come back. He is not strong. So he said that he was afraid of the death. He thought that he is about to die now. He doesn't know whether his son is alive or has been killed by the LRA. He's an AP as they, they took his child. He's sad. Yeah. How has the LRA changed his life? So really, he's very afraid of them, of LRA. So he said that it is like someone who died and he's just waiting for the money. He don't know what he can do. Despite international campaigns for action, UN and military involvement, speculation still surrounds the whereabouts of Joseph Coney and the future for the children who have not returned home from the LRA. As this documentary airs in October 2012, the last reported sighting of the LRA was in the centre of Kaliwa just a few weeks ago. Around 20 LRA forces burned a home and looted four others before fleeing the village. As the sun sets in Kaliwa, children are gathered again underneath the mango tree. Before I leave, they sing me one of their favourite songs. It means come and follow me. Oh, <laughs> no.